Reader's Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Happy Monday, everyone. You heard that music. You know it's spooky season on Book Lights, so it's all horror, all Halloween, all the time. And I'm super excited that Lisa Morton agreed to come back again. She's a frequent Halloween uh, spookmaster on <laughs> on Book Lights. And she has some phenomenal books out there that we'll, we'll talk about. But she has a new one out that is The Art of the Zombie Movie that we're going to talk about today and it was so funny we were talking before the show but when she came on last year she was working on this book so if you go through the book lights archives if you're curious you can find last year's podcast and uh, hear us talking about her getting started on that so today is finished product I think it comes out next week And if you've never read Lisa Morton's books before, I'll read her bio here so you can get to know her. Lisa Morton is a screenwriter and author of nonfiction books and a prose writer whose work was described by the American Library Association's Reader's Advisory Guide to Horror as consistently dark, unsettling, and frightening. She is a six-time winner of the Bram Stoker Award the author of four novels and over 150 short stories, a world-class Halloween and paranormal expert. Her latest releases include Calling the Spirits, A History of Seances, and The Art of the Zombie Movie that I told you is going to be out next week. Recent short stories appeared in the Best American Mystery Stories 2020, Final Cuts, New Tales, and Hollywood Horror, and Other Spectacles as well as Classic Monsters Unleashed. Lisa lives in Los Angeles, and I did put a link to her website right there on the Blog Talk site. So if you're listening live today, or if you're listening later, you can click that anytime. Sign up for her newsletters. They are always entertaining. I'm on her newsletter list. Um, (laughs) So I don't want to delay anymore. Are you there, Lisa? I sure am, and and by the way, I love being referred to as a spookmaster. That's like my right? new favorite title. <laughs> <laughs> yes, put it on your business card. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, welcome back, and tell us about this new book that's coming out next week. I love the cover. The cover is fantastic. It turned out really well. It was quite the learning experience because it is a big coffee table art book with over 500 illustrations. I had never done anything like that, although I always loved that kind of book and I always kind of wanted to do one. And I was brought in um, sort of as the hired gun. It was not my idea, but I was hired to put the book together. And and it's funny that when I was hired to do it, I wasn't entirely clear on the fact that I also had to come up with all those illustrations. Um <laughs> So that was, like I said, a big learning experience. And um, they have an interesting model for these books, which is that there are kind of two running um, uh, streams of text in it. There is the regular text that you find in a chapter, but the captions for the illustrations in these books actually form an entire secondary text. Um, and it's bigger than the main text of the chapters. So writing the wow. captions was also a big learning experience. It was like um, over 20,000 words just in the captions. Wow. Um, and, 
you try to keep those captions interesting. You know, it's not just, hey, there's a picture of Bela Lugosi from White Zombie. Instead, it's like when Bela Lugosi took this role, he was blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, so like that was trivia. Yeah, exactly. That was another part of the whole thing that was interesting to get into. And um, I had a small army of people behind me. I had a a person who worked uh, an entire year just clearing all the copyrights on the illustrations. I had an editor. I had a layout person. Um, And then, of course, a lot of artists. And it was really fun, and I am so happy with how it turned out. Oh, I can't wait to see it. I really I really do love the cover. And I was going to ask you about the what when you're going through these photos or hunting for photos like you said, I it sounds like you had to become a detective, but uh what was your inspiration for like were you trying or did you like section it off. I'm just trying to think of if this was your first coffee table book, were you trying to find, okay, where are the funny zombies and the horror zombies and the, you know, do you separate them like that or how did you go about it? Well, I kind of worked chronologically um, because the book is in roughly chronological order, beginning in 1932 with White Zombie, which does indeed start star Bella Lugosi and is kind of the first real zombie movie and um, I one of my goals with the book was to not just make it another collection of vintage movie posters but to expand it to include not only like interesting foreign posters but um, uh, posters alternative posters by modern artists which is a huge thing I I didn't realize how big that was until I got into this book there is a huge collectibles market out there for alternative posters by modern artists and some of them are fabulous and by the time I was done with this book I had some new favorite artists um, and I just love some of the modern art that we got in there. Um, so it's, an, I think, a nice balance between classic movie posters and um, these contemporary takes on these things. And it, I did just kind of work through it chronologically. The book has, I think, is it seven chapters? They kind of cover the history of zombie movies, and then there's one chapter that deals with zombie movies around the world. So I was kind of working through both the text and the illustrations at the same time and just it was an interesting way to survey that history of that movie those movies yeah wow and did you in all of this research i i have no idea what the history of zombies are but i mean was that first movie when they coined that term zombie or has zombie been around for a long time or how did that how did they how did they rise from the dead? <laughs> yeah, the you know, zombies are part of um, traditional Haitian voodoo practices. Um, the word actually kind of translates roughly to something like malevolent or wicked spirit. Um, but the first really popular mention of zombies came in 1929, and it was a book called The Magic Island by a writer named William Seabrook. And Seabrook was an interesting guy. He kind of traveled the world writing his um, travelogues in these books, but he was obsessed with, like, the occult and folklore wherever he went. And The Magic Island is about a year he spent in Haiti, and he devotes one entire chapter to zombies. And 
um, he talks about how the local voodoo practitioners, who were called the Bokurs, believed that they could resurrect a dead body and put it to work in the fields. So it was almost like a second form of slavery for these people who had been brought to the Caribbean islands to do it that when they were alive. It was um, pretty horrific. And there was discussion after the fact that they might have been people who had not actually died but it were in kind of a drug-induced coma. And some of that theory has been a little bit dismissed. That was at the heart of The Serpent and the Rainbow, a much later book by an anthropologist named Wade Davis. But there's probably something to that. And so um, this book was very successful when it came out in 1929. And it, within a few years, it was inspiring everything from movies to Broadway plays. And, oh, my gosh. Uh, the, yeah, it really caught people's imagination. And so the first real movie is this 1932 one called White Zombie. And it stars Bella Lugosi as the Bokur. And so he is the guy who is controlling um, people, bringing back these corpses and controlling them and so forth on this isolated island. Wow. Okay. I had I had no idea because for me, you know, George Romero zombies, it just never occurred to me, you know, that they went back all the way to 1932. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. And, it, you know, what's funny about that is that um, the word zombie certainly appears in white zombie. It does not appear at all in George Romero's first film, Night of the Living Dead, because he didn't think of his creatures as zombies. He knew about movies like White Zombie, and he thought of zombies as these things that were brought about by voodoo. Um, He called his things ghouls in Night of the Living Dead, and it wasn't until the press and so forth came along and started referring to them as zombies that he adopted that word. And even then, it only appears like once in the sequel to Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Um, There's one mention of zombies in that entire movie. Wow. So when he was thinking of them as ghouls, was he bringing the zombies, was his idea of like zombies, somebody, a necromancer brings them back, but for the ghouls, what what made them come back from the dead then? Um, he was, I think in Night of the Living Dead, it's pretty ambiguous about what has caused this resurrection. There are mentions of a, a satellite or something like that. And then in um, Dawn of the Dead, there actually is a mention of voodoo, which is interesting. The One character says, my daddy practiced Makumba, which is a sort of a similar religion to voodoo. And, um, So, uh, although Dawn of the Dead also brings up the possibility that there is some sort of almost rapture-like thing at work because of that famous line, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. And um, (laughs) he always left the the reasoning for what was happening a little bit vague in his movies. And then other people, of course, took his idea of these flesh-eating zombies and ran with it and created everything from... Um, they are brought back by magic to a fungus, to a disease, to a, right. so, you know, now we've had many, many different versions of what brings these zombies back. Right, right. And do, when you went through pulling all of these photos and things, did you uh, watch the movies or were you just looking at pictures or how much research went into it all? Well, fortunately, I already liked 
zombie. <laughs> so um, I knew most of the key movies, but there, yeah, I would. There would be those occasional nights when I would just kind of like go through the the lineup on Shutter or Netflix or something and go, oh, there's one I haven't seen, and um, mm-hmm. or I would know that there was one that I hadn't seen. There was one absolute classic from 1943 called I Walked with a Zombie, which I somehow grew up having never seen. I I still don't know how I managed that. And it is a brilliant film. Um, It was my favorite thing to discover in the making of this. Wow. Um, But there's also a recent one from Japan that I stumbled on totally by accident that is incredible called One Cut of the Dead. And One Cut of the Dead is a movie that people will love whether they like zombies or not because it is very, very clever. It's beautifully done, and it's very, very funny and witty. So um, that's one that I feel totally fine in recommending to anyone. <laughs> yeah, I when I was getting ready for the show today, I was like, hey, obviously I'm not into, like, the scary, gross, zombie because my I tried to think of my favorite zombie movies and of course Bubba Hotep is way up there love that one <laughs> um have you seen that one on it's based on Joe R Lansdale's uh short story I have and see I will argue that that is not really a zombie movie um well because yeah, the, the returned be dead in that have willpower um, I think oh, part of the true. definition of the, the zombie is that it must be a resurrected body that doesn't have any intelli- intelligence or willpower. Okay. Well, by those rules, is Warm Bodies a zombie movie? Warm Bodies is a borderline one. It, it, you know, <laughs> I included it but um, because it kind of knowingly plays with zombie mythology. It does have right. – the consumption the bony, of people and right. so forth in there, yeah. But it's it's um it's something like Twenty Eight Days Later was the real one that you just kind of go, well, I'm just going to call this zombie adjacent <laughs> because <laughs> they are they are not actually dead things in a movie like that. But it certainly was a major influence on later zombie movies. Yeah, I thought that the interesting, I thought it was very clever in Warm Bodies. I, When that movie came out, my daughter had dragged me to the theater because I told her, I do not want to see a romance movie about zombies. Gross. But, <laughs> but it was so clever in that they made the zombies dead inside. And then as they connected, it, you know, it suddenly made their their hearts start beating, and I just thought, wow, that's clever. So it makes you a zombie when you just become so disconnected that you're just dead inside. <laughs> right? They never yeah. Reveal yeah. what you know what actually caused it, but since you could reverse it, you know, it was really interesting. Yeah, that was a, that was a good one. And then my third one was Shaun of the Dead, which seems like classic zombies, but it was oh, very yeah. fun. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead is one of the two movies that kind of revitalized the whole zombie genre. It had been a bit stagnant throughout the 90s and the early 2000s. And then two movies come out within a very short time of each other. One was Shaun of the Dead, and the other was the remake of Dawn of the Dead. And those two just, no pun intended, pumped new blood back into that genre. <laughs> yeah, and then the um, the 
is it The Last of Us on HBO where it's some sort of biological zombie, I guess? I haven't watched the whole series. I only watched a couple episodes, but they look like they're covered in fungus. But does that kind of make it into your pantheon? Well, oddly enough, my publisher did not want to cover television. Um, they no. only wanted to do very strictly feature films, so, which oh, means that okay. we also didn't cover The Walking Dead. Um, oh, yeah. I do, I do a, like an afterword in the book where I talk a little bit about how the zombie movies have led to all of these other things, uh, which includes not just television, but music. I mean, you know, you have a a huge music performer named Rob Zombie now, and he very knowingly <laughs> plays on that mythology. And um, video games and board games and just all kinds of areas of popular culture. Um, so the bulk of the book is only feature films. Okay. And then I also was going to ask you if Frankenstein counts as a zombie or is that like mad science because he pieced together a whole bunch of dead people? Yeah, I I don't count Frankenstein as a zombie because, again, he returns with his own willpower. Um, So, yeah, he uh, I I mean, I suppose you could make an argument for that. But for the purposes of my book, I, I didn't include him. Okay, he did not make the cut. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't know either if any of the mythology of how the zombies came to be plays into it, because I know, like Frankenstein, it was supposed to be science, and the lightning makes the heart beat. But a lot of these zombie movies never tell you the origin story of how the zombies came to be, right? Right, yeah. They just exist. You get, I mean, up until, for the the zombie movies of the 30s and 40s, it's always voodoo. So, and okay. the voodoo bokor is always a character in them. Um, one of the things that you can see in those movies, which is, of course, a sign of the times back then, is that the bokor is almost always white. Despite the fact that they are on a Caribbean island and the people right. they're resurrecting are black slaves and laborers and so forth, um, so that was one of the things that was unfortunate about that time. But there were a couple, by the way, of um, all black cast zombie movies that were made that are really interesting. Um, and you can see one of them, actually you can see a couple of them on like YouTube and so forth. They're, they're really interesting historical documents to watch now. Wow. Okay. And what do you think about the tie between like zombies and, and Halloween? Because Halloween's supposed to be the night that the veil is thin, but zombies are usually brought back by magic, right? Or yeah, there isn't just come really much of a tie between the two, other than the fact that certainly zombies have become very popular at Halloween as costumes and movies to watch and so forth. Right, right, and all that gooey monster makeup. Right. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, what are you working on now that this is coming out? Do you, are you already working on your next project? Well, we're kind of waiting to see how this one does. If um, the Art of the Zombie movie does well, there will be another Art of the 
blank movie that <gasps> will be coming. Let it be vampire. Um, Let it be vampire. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> um, yes, I would actually love that too. So we right. cross our fingers and hope for that. But what I am working on immediately is um, beginning one week from today, I am teaching a three-session course on the history of Halloween at atlasobscura.com. Um, oh my and gosh. I am a longtime fan of Atlas Obscura. I have taken a number of their kind of local events. If people don't know what they are, they started as like an exotic travel um, thing, and they put out a beautiful book on uh, places that you should visit and so forth. But during the pandemic, they found a lot of success doing online courses. So this year okay. they invited me to teach um, a three-session course on the history of Halloween, and I immediately said yes. So that will be happening one week from today, and then the following courses will be the 23rd and the 30th. Wow, and anyone can go sign up? They sure can, yeah. All right. Well, what is the website so that people can run over there? It is atlasobscura.com. Oh, that's easy. Okay. It okay, is, although so. you can also find links to it right from the front page of my website, which, of course, is lisamorton.com. Oh, and we have a link to that right there on Blog Talk. So head over to Lisa's site and then find that Atlas Obscura because what perfect timing to learn about the history of Halloween right during October. Yeah, and it's going to be fun. We're going to do um, – I'm. It, of course, will be illustrated, and then I may even do a little show and tell on certain fun things that I have in my own collection. Oh, neat. Is it over Zoom? It will be over Zoom. It'll be live. And um, on top of the um, each of the one-hour sessions, I will also be offering students some PDFs that collect some classic things that they should probably be reading on the history of Halloween. Oh, fun. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Very fun. Well, that sounds exciting. Uh, Book-wise, are you are you working on anything? Or are you taking a little breather while you do all the promo for the Art of the Zombie movie? Well, I'm, yeah, October, I don't get much else done. Um, <laughs> but I am kind of waiting. I um, My agent is out with a couple of things right now. So we have our fingers crossed on some of those happening. Um there are a couple of nonfiction books. There are a couple of uh, anthologies that I would co-edit, and um, hopefully he can place one of those, and that would end up probably being my big project for 2024. Oh, my gosh, that would be great. I'm so sorry about the dog. I'm trying to get him to stop. <laughs> Rascal, enough. Oh, he's living up to his name. (laughs) Yes, right? He is a rascal. (laughs) In his defense, I think they were weed whacking or something outside, so he was protecting me. I don't think they were zombies, but you never know. (laughs) It is that time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, now that I got him to stop barking, um, I was going to ask you, if you have um, a favorite, like, Halloween, because I'm also, it's Halloween time, but do you have, like, a favorite Halloween monster? It doesn't have to be a costume necessarily, but is there, do you have, like, a favorite monster during Halloween spooky time? Well, I I grew up 
uh, being obsessed with the Universal monsters. Um, I still love all of those movies. I, I rewatch the old black and white classics when I have any spare time in October. And um, if I had to pick one favorite, it would probably be the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, good one. You must have liked The Shape of Water then, right? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, Guillermo del Toro is incredible, and um, I have a passing acquaintance with him because he's a regular at the bookstore where I work, and he happens to be a fan of my Halloween work. So, um, oh. It's, yeah, so that's, that's always so nice. Cool. To, yeah, and um, I... One of the things I loved about the creature is it's funny now is that um, when I was a kid, I grew up right around the corner from the L.A. Arboretum, and um, part of one of the creature movies was shot at the L.A. Arboretum. Oh wow! So I always had like that that childhood link to that. Wow! Oh, that's cool. So every time you saw it, you went, "Ha! I've been there." Yeah, and, you know, as a kid, I thought the whole thing must have been shot at the Arboretum. I mean, it wasn't. It was mainly shot in Florida, but um, it was fun to imagine that it was all shot right at the Arboretum. Right, right. (laughs) I love that. And do you have a favorite Halloween movie that you like to watch this time of year? Um, I... Still love the Carpenter Halloween, but the one that we have started watching every year we just love is Trick or Treat, Michael Doherty's sort of anthology horror movie from a few years ago. And um, we have uh, acquired a number of, uh, like, of the Sam figures. Um, Again, I have a a sort of passing acquaintance with Michael Doherty, and and via him I have, um, like, some life-size Sam figures that we put out for our yard haunt. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my daughter would be so jealous. That's her favorite Halloween. <laughs> Halloween rewatch is, is trick or treat. It's treats. pretty great. Yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, we've been going through so many because I always do my annual Halloween movie countdown. And there's so many great scary movies that I have to rotate, you know, rotate them in and out each year but I always try to add in some some new ones and there were so many that I'm like oh it's so hard to you know to pick but um there there just have been so many great ones and now streaming services are making their own too and some of them have really been um you know just fantastic I don't know if you saw uh Prey I think it was a Hulu movie, but it was like a prequel. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, I want to watch uh, that. Yeah, really, really well done. It was it was very good. Um, of the alien coming down to Earth, you know, way before, <laughs> way before all the white people had found America. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, really, I, it looks great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really fantastic, and uh, and then my daughter introduced me to some that somehow I had missed, like black the black phone. Oh, fantastic! Highly uh-huh. recommend. Yeah, um, and, and it was. Cute. I will recommend a slightly obscure one that very few people oh, have seen that is fantastic. You have to dig a little bit to find it, but I think maybe it's available completely on YouTube. There was a BBC television movie made in, I think it's like 89, called Ghost Watch, and it is actually a Halloween film. It takes place on Halloween night, and it was 
originally aired in Great Britain, and it takes the form of a live news broadcast. So it's kind of a an Orson Welles War oh. presentation, and it is as if you were watching a live newscast from a haunted house. And this thing gets scarier and scarier, and by <gasps> the time it was done, half of Great Britain was in a panic when it originally aired. And it is so good and um, very scary without gore or anything, well worth finding and watching, even if the copy on YouTube or whatever is not the greatest quality. The writing, um, a fabulous British writer named Stephen Volk wrote it, and it is so good. Oh, I'll have to look that up. That sounds fantastic. Sounds sort of like um, uh, Blair Witch. Remember when that came out, they rolled it out like it was an actual found footage thing. Right, right. It was terrifying because it seemed like this was actually happening. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and and with Ghost Watch, you can imagine that people who somehow missed whatever warning or whatever comes in the beginning about this isn't real um, would have been in a panic because I I don't want to give it away. No, I'm not going to do a spoiler here, but the ending <laughs> brings it home really nicely. Oh, oh, I'm going to look it up. Thank you so much for the recommendation. Yeah, that sounds fabulous. <laughs> well, we're going to run out of time here. It's so do you want to tell people where they can find you online so that they can get the zombie book and then pepper you with questions? Sure. Um, LisaMorton.com is the place to start with. From there, you'll see links to all of my social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Blue Sky and um, Substack. And uh, also, if people want to get the zombie book, I would urge them to go to darkdell.com. That's D-A-R-K-D-E-L, because I signed the book yesterday, and I left some signed stock with them. And so if you order from them, you will be supporting a great indie bookstore, and you'll get a signed copy. Oh, I love that. And is that on your website, too, if people get that link? Uh, you know what? I am going to put that on there because I think it is <laughs> <Okay>. not. <laughs> so I will add that. Okay, great. And everybody go check out that class on Halloween history. Lisa is an expert, and I'm sure it will be fabulous. And thanks so much for being here today, Lisa. Happy Halloween. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lisa, and you too. Thanks for joining us on Book Life. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.